afternoon, everybody. A little boogie woogie piano to start a Wednesday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm into the boogie woogie piano. I uh, found this on YouTube. This is La Diva, Lady Va is how you spell it. Uh, it's pronounced La Diva. And I think it's awesome. I love boogie woogie piano. And there's some really cool videos on YouTube uh, with this kind of music in it. So if you like it, uh, hopefully you'll listen. If you don't like it, you'll tell me at wetacklelife at gmail.com. And we'll get back to the NFL Films music. But I'm in the radio studio, Wednesday show in the books. I am sleepy, and I have a good reason for being sleepy, and I bet you do too. High State's win over Duke last night at Value City Arena, and I'm stoked. i got to catch up on my sleep at some point because I have a phenomenal weekend ahead of me with the state football championships Saturday in Canton. Three teams from one league playing for state titles. We'll get to that and more with the college football coaching carousel spinning, 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 spinning. Who made a great hire? Who made a terrible hire? I will tell you. But first, let me tell you about our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. You can make a great decision buying the perfect corporate gift for a business associate, a customer, a friend, a family member in a far-flung location. Why would you buy them a gift card, something impersonal? Why wouldn't you show, hey, I know you. You love coffee. This is a unique coffee. This is from Indonesia. This is from Nicaragua. This is from Thailand. This is from Ethiopia. That's the kind of awesome coffee that they make available to you at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. And you'll get a 15% discount when you use the promo code WeTackleLife. So don't mess around. They put together lots of holiday gift packs in boxes. Easy peasy, shipped right to the door of the person that you want to receive it. Fits any budget, and your budget's a little bigger when you get that promo code We Tackle Life in all caps and use it to get your 15% discount courtesy of the We Tackle Life podcast at hemisphericoffeeroasters.com. Hemisphericoffeeroasters.com. All right, how about those basketball Buckeyes last night? I had four very good buddies who were there at that game, and they asked me before the game, can they win? And I, of course, said, no, no way they can win. But I did say, for them to win, somebody is going to have to have a Matt Sylvester-type night. And by that I meant, and I think I even said, somebody who just goes off out of nowhere and scores about 35 to 40% of the team's points. And prior to the game, you'd go, huh, this guy? He's going to have 25? Well, Ohio State didn't get that from one player. They got it from two players. They got... 35 of their 71 points from, wait, it was the 32 of their 71 points from Zed Key and Cedric Russell. That's right. The Sed and Zed show last night at Value City Arena. 5, 10, 15 years from now, you'll be able to say, hey, remember the night that Sed and Zed took down multiple-time All-Star and NBA MVP Paolo Banchero and... Hall of Fame coach, winningest coach in college basketball history, Mike Krzyzewski. Remember that night? And most people will go, I don't remember Zed Key and Cedric Russell, but I remember Ohio State winning. Yeah, unless, of course, you turned the game off, disgusted by Ohio State's free throw shooting, which was pretty terrible until late in the game, unless you were convinced at halftime when Ohio State trailed by 13 that it had no chance to win the game. Or you were just like, man, it's late. I want to get to bed. I don't want to stay up till 11.30, 11.40 to watch the end of this game. But if you did, you were rewarded with an epic performance. 
as OSU rallied from 15 down in the second half to win that game. And they really didn't start rallying until like less than five minutes to go. And really in the first two and a half minutes of that five, it wasn't much of a rally. But Cedric Russell hit a three-pointer from the left corner with about two-something and change to go. And all of a sudden they're down two and you're like, holy cow, they could win. And they did as Duke just struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled, and the uh, Buckeyes get the big W, which is something that I didn't envision and I don't think you envisioned, and I don't even know if they envision actually, but that's a nice win for Ohio State. Um, I tend to feel like they're not playing great. Stupid to say, I know, because they just beat the nation's number one team. But the Seton Hall game, they couldn't hold a lead. The Florida game, they lost the lead, lost the game. The Xavier game, they really didn't play very well. I think they're still trying to figure out what they are, who they are, and how they want to play because they were counting on playing a lot through Justice Suing, and I think they were honestly counting on their backcourt to be better than it is. Um, This must be a thing at Ohio State. You can beat super good teams with super average backcourts. I go back to the Matt Sylvester game against Illinois, 2004. They took down Illinois with multiple-time NBA uh, I think he was a multiple all-star, Darren Williams and D. Brown, pretty good college player, with a backcourt of Tony Stockman and Brandon Foose Cheatham. Uh, Foose is better known now for his really cool uh, gear. And Tony Stockman, uh, I think Tony Stockman's a high school basketball coach, actually, and a pretty good one. But at any rate, you wouldn't think that you know they'd be able to get that done, but they did get that done. Both those guys were on the court at the end of the game when Matt Sylvester hit the game-winning bomb against Illinois. And, you know, last night, Jamari Wheeler, Michi Johnson, they were out. Cedric Russell had played 23 minutes in OSU's previous games. He had made one shot. He had made one three-pointer. He went three for three from three last night. He played 16 minutes. He scored 12 points. And fantastic. Without him, they don't win the game. So... Chris Holman said he had a look in his eye. Man, what a look. I hope he has that look again because Ohio State plays Sunday at Penn State and they need to win that game. It's nice to beat Duke, but it's even better to get off to a 1-0 start in the Big Ten. Look, clearly, and I know some people took this as Mike Krzyzewski sandbagging or Mike Krzyzewski's whining or whatever. He said his team was tired and they played tired. And how do you argue that? I mean, they were absolutely tired mentally and physically. They got geared up to play Gonzaga on the road in Las Vegas, and they played lights out, and they won the game, and they got the number one pick or number one ranking. And then they like, hey, great, now we get to go home and celebrate with all the Dukies in Shashevskyville. Oh no, we got to stop in Columbus, Ohio. I'm sure their hearts weren't in it last night. I'm sure the late tip hurt them. I'm sure getting out to an early lead, they thought, ah, we can pretty much sleepwalk through this second half. I mean, Ohio State can't make a free throw to save their life, but. It's hard to turn it back on once you kind of get into a mindset uh, that this game's in the bag. And it was not in the bag, but honestly, until literally until the last two minutes did I think Ohio State had any prayer of winning that game, aside from when they moved out to an early six-point lead. But they didn't lead from 11-22 of the first half until E.J. Liddell put them ahead with uh, a free throw, I think, a couple of free throws. I don't remember. They missed so many free throws. Here's the operative stat on Ohio State, two of them at the free throw line. End of the first half, last six minutes of the first half, they have a chance 
to score 11 points at the free throw line at the end of the half in the last six minutes. They scored three. They scored three of a possible 11 points at the line. Now, they didn't go three of 11, but they missed the front end of two one-and-ones. Justin Arns missed two of three as he got fouled beyond the arc. EJ Liddell and Zed Key didn't maximize two-shot opportunities. And then all night long, they had an opportunity to go to the line and make two free throws. So I'm not talking about and ones here. They had opportunities to go to the line either in the one-and-one or two-shot foul opportunities ten times. Ten. So that's 20 possible points. How many times did they make both free throws? Two. Two out of ten. That's rotten. You know it's rotten. I know it's rotten. Chris Holtman knows it's rotten. This must be a curse of Ohio State basketball because Thad Mata's teams were crummy free throw shooting teams. There's no reason why this team ought to be a crummy free throw shooting team. There's no reason why anybody shouldn't be able to make 70% of your free throws. That's just, that's easy. It's three and a half out of five. Come on, man. You can do that. EJ Liddell hit a big shot to bump the lead to three with 15 seconds to go. That was a very impressive, I'm taking this shot. Yeah, I know, Zed, you got 20, but I got this This one's mine, baby. And he took charge like you want him to, got a good shot, made a good shot. And then Duke just, they just were out of gas. Um, but that's a cool, cool thing for them to get that win and to move to, what, 5-2 and two on the season, entering their Big Ten opener on Sunday against Penn State. Duke had not lost a game that they led by 10 or more points at halftime in the last 10 years. They had not lost a game. They had led at halftime over the last 10 years. 185-0 and in games they led at the half by 10 or more, and they lost last night. So there you go. That's your breakdown on the Buckeyes, and uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing night, but boy, a late night. So I got to get some shut eye before I head to Canton for the state football championships. You may uh, be thinking that you can rest easily yourself given the fact that you have health insurance. You're like, man, I'm glad I have it. If I get sick, need a surgery, I'm set. Well, what if I told you, and I'm going to, that your health insurance could be vastly overpriced or, or worse, worse. What's worse than being overpriced? Not having coverage you think you have. Insurance companies change who they service, which practices, which doctors, which hospitals, all that. They change all the time. Are you on top of that? No, of course not. But my friends at auiinfo.com are. Right now, you're in the middle of 14 more days, two more weeks to get your health insurance reoriented if it needs to be. New plan, new provider. You have until December the 15th. You can't do it after that. Unless you're a business, then you can change the plan for all your employees. But if you're an individual, you have until December 15th. You've heard open enrollment. Open enrollment is what we're in. But it closes on December the 16th. So don't get caught short. Go to auiinfo.com. Type in what you have. Type in what you need. They'll tell you whether you're getting a good deal or not. What other options might be. All their information is rock solid and free to you. 
They're a brokerage. They're paid by the companies that you select from the options they present. AUIinfo.com. Free, 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 free. AUIinfo.com. All right, you don't mention the word free if you're looking for a college football coach and you're USC or LSU. Woo-wee! Did they both pony up big for Lincoln Riley to USC, Brian Kelly to LSU? Who made the better hire? Eh, I think that would be your USC Trojans. Because when I think of Brian Kelly at LSU, and I like Brian Kelly. I don't dislike Brian Kelly. I don't care for his sideline demeanor and all those kinds of things. But Brian Kelly at LSU feels a lot to me like Rich Rodriguez at Michigan. Nothing wrong with Rich Rodriguez as a football coach, except he didn't fit Michigan. And I can flat out tell you that a red-faced, short-tempered Irishman, to me, does not feel like he fits in the heart of Cajun country. So I give the Brian Kelly hire at LSU about three years because the thing at Notre Dame is Brian Kelly could lose two or three a year at Notre Dame because he'd reload and every eh, four or five years he'd be right there kind of on the edges of getting into the playoff. And That's not going to happen at LSU. They're not going to be tolerant of three loss, four loss seasons and you're not going to be able to gear up and play one, two, three tough opponents a year. You're in the SEC West, brother. That's big boy football. And I know Brian Kelly's won at Cincinnati. He's won at Central Michigan. He won at Grand Valley State. He's won at Notre Dame. I just don't think it's a fit. Will he have people to recruit? Yes. Is it easier to get people into LSU than it is to Notre Dame? All right, I'm going to make a little political joke here. Hopefully you're not turned off by it because I think we can all acknowledge reality. Notre Dame's entrance requirements are like southern border policies under Donald Trump. <laughs> LSU's entrance requirements are like southern border policies under Joe Biden. Y'all, come on in, brother. So we'll see how Brian Kelly does at LSU. A lot of it's going to be, does he get Marcus Freeman down there as defensive coordinator? Does he get Tommy Reese down there as offensive coordinator? That brings us to, who does Notre Dame hire to take the place of Brian Kelly? Ah, that's going to be interesting. Will Notre Dame wait on Luke Fickle? Luke Fickle, Cincinnati Bearcats head coach, former Buckeye, you know his profile. Luke Fickle's a perfect fit at Notre Dame. Luke takes his faith very seriously, wants his kids to grow up like he did with a Catholic education. Cincinnati fits that. I think definitely Notre Dame fits that. I'm not sure Norman, Oklahoma fits that. I'm not sure Luke Fickle is looking to go to Norman, Oklahoma in a league where in another year or two, Cincinnati's going to be playing. Luke Fickle can name his own ticket at Cincinnati. I know he's got more resources at Oklahoma. I know you think, but what's money to Luke Fickle? I mean, he's making a ton of money in Cincinnati. He's going to get in the college football playoff at least, what, once, twice every five years at Cincinnati if he has a major conference designation like the Big 12? I think he's the only guy in that league that will know a lick about defense. I think Luke Fickle's sitting pretty. He doesn't have to take another job. He can if he wants to, but he can do it on his terms. He can make Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame, sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there and say, no, Jack, I got a team to coach in this year's college football playoff. See, I'm in. You're not. If you want me to get you in, well, you're going to have to wait till I'm ready to talk to you, and that will not be until my team is eliminated. 
Now, Notre Dame may not wait on Luke Fickle, or Luke Fickle may send him word, hey, I'm not interested, you can move on. And where might Notre Dame move on if Luke Fickle either says, not interested, or not willing to talk to you yet? Well, a guy who I think would do a great job at Notre Dame is Matt Campbell. You guys know I've been on the Matt Campbell train for a long time, and I'll say this, and I mean no malice. And it's just a self-evident fact. There is no universe, none, zero, zip, nada, none, where Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State linebacker, former UC defensive coordinator, current defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, there is no universe in which Marcus Freeman is more prepared to be the head coach at Notre Dame than Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle. None. I know why they'd want Marcus Freeman, because he's a young up-and-comer, he's a smart guy, and he resonates with players and all that. But he's not nearly as proven as those other two guys. And Notre Dame, to me, is not a place where you give someone the job for the first time. Are there other options at Notre Dame? Yeah, really good options. Pat Fitzgerald would be a great fit at Notre Dame. The Northwestern coach, private school, academic guy. He also resonates with players. The Chicago guy, Chicago Catholic schools. Would Pat Fitzgerald be a... threat coming into Cincinnati in the GCL could he well they don't really have any super D1 players at St. Ignatius or at Ed's uh, they just they're like out the Alabama of high schools they just maximize their players at the high school level but I think Pat Fitzgerald be a good hire Mario Cristobal Oregon eh. Mario Cristobal might be looking at Lincoln Riley at USC going okay party's over in Eugene Oregon people time for me to go somewhere else I don't know that Miami can put together an attractive enough package to bring Mario Cristobal to Miami, and that job's not open yet, but it might be open. It might open if Mario Cristobal says he's willing to take it. So the college carousel spins more and more and more. Lincoln Riley to USC, to me, is home run. Home run for SC. He's going to at least get the chance to hit a home run. He already has swiped from Oklahoma the five-star quarterback from California who had committed to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. That kid's now going to USC. He's going to be able to pluck any quarterback he wants for a period of time out of Southern California, and that's where C.J. Stroud is from, and that's where Bryce Young is from. So Lincoln Riley's going to have his pick of the litter out there, and they play great high school football in California. I think the Pac-12 got a big wake-up call with him coming to USC. There's no reason why he shouldn't win at USC. None. So I would expect him to win very, very big. He got a boatload of money, but he'll only get, like, what, 45% of that money because the California tax people will love to get their hands on Lincoln Riley's money. And he also got the unlimited, unlimited use of a private jet for he and his family. I should have become a football coach. That's all I got to say. I should have become a football coach. Wow. Uh, still, uh, we got the, we got Florida's made the hire. Um, I don't know. The guy seems fine. I thought Dan Mullen would be a home run there. He wasn't. Um, but this weekend, you know, we got college football championships games. We got Cincinnati and Michigan, I think are both in if they win. I know a lot of people think Oklahoma state's in, if it wins, it's going to hop Cincinnati. I don't see how you can not put Cincinnati in when it has the most impressive non-conference win of the season. At Notre Dame is the most impressive. Well, Oregon, but Oregon's got two losses. 
So I think Cincinnati's in if they win. I mean, I mean, if they win by 14 to 21, I think they're definitely in. I think Bama is probably out if it loses to Georgia, but you're you're just out of your mind if you think Oklahoma State one loss is better than Alabama with two. You're out of your mind. And don't 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 at me. <laughs> don't at me on what about Ohio State if Alabama loses? No. No and no. Losing to Oregon and Michigan is um, just a teensy bit worse, but still appreciably clearly worse uh, than losing to Texas A&M and Georgia because neither game would be at Alabama. And one of Ohio State's two losses was at Ohio State. And both of them were because Ohio State could not stop the run. So Bama wiggled off the hook against Auburn. If they play Georgia reasonably well, uh, they can't lose to Georgia like Clemson did. But if they play Clemson reasonably, or they play Georgia reasonably well, then I would uh, be I would prefer to see Alabama in the playoff to seeing Oklahoma State in the playoff. The problem with that is, from a TV perspective, if Georgia beats Alabama, let's say they beat them by 14 or 21, then you got to put Bama four. Do you want to see Bama-Georgia again? Is that fair to Georgia? I would say no. Or do you have the stones to put two-loss Alabama at three and undefeated Cincinnati at four? Mm, I could see that. I could see that. So Michigan-Iowa, I mean, if Michigan loses that game, wow, wow. I don't see that happening, but wow. That would probably, mm, I don't know, would that knock... Would that knock Ohio State out of the Rose Bowl? Maybe. Maybe we'd see Ohio State and Alabama in a bowl game somewhere if Buckeyes were a two-loss team and Bama's a two-loss team. We'll stand by. We'll know by Sunday. We'll also um, have to get our Heisman ballots in by Monday. Uh, I have a Heisman vote. have had it for uh, quite a while. I don't want to date myself. But I don't know who I'm going to vote for yet. And honestly, you shouldn't know until you watch all the games. And there are weekends worth of games to be played. We'll see if Bryce Young would lead Bama over Georgia. Bryce Young's going to win Heisman. I don't understand this hue and cry for Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. He was great against Ohio State. Can't win a Heisman off one game. I know he's had a good year. I get it. I'm not trying to uh, at all snark Aiden Hutchinson. I think it's a great story that he came back to play this year and had a great year. But I just... I'm I'm just kind of not feeling that. Maybe I'll feel it after Saturday night after I watch him play against Iowa. Um, Browns GM Andrew Barry had a press conference today. We're going to cover what he had to say. But first, a reminder that if you need an attorney, and most of us, if you have a family, if you drive a car, if you work somewhere, you're going to at some point in time need an attorney. I'm just asking you to check the box in your head and mark down Willis Spangler Starling as the attorney firm you'll approach if and when you need one. They are a comprehensive law firm, and they are really growing. And they're growing not because they're trying to prove something, but they're growing because they understand that personal service really resonates with people. And they have just organically begun to expand their practice, and God has prospered them. And I believe that God really prospers people who show him that 
they use the gifts they have to serve others. Uh, that certainly epitomizes uh, my friends and the partners at Willis Spangler Starling. They've done a great job for me, and I'm totally confident they will do a great job for you. Some cases they take on a contingency. They will likely offer you a free consultation. You tell them that you're a listener of the We Tackle Life podcast. So check them out, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. They are on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, just a little bit north of Home Depot, Target. They're in the Mill Run area. Really wonderful people, and I think you'll like them a lot. And I think you'll find them very down-to-earth and very good at explaining things and talking in real, understandable language, not legalese. Okay. We'll get to a little Browns, and then we'll do the faith portion of the podcast, and then i got to head off to a basketball game. Yeah, getting to see my daughter play tonight. Looking forward to it. Okay. Andrew Barry, Browns GM today, had a Zoom call. There's not a crisis. It's an off week. This is the time when he and every Browns GM, in my recollection, over the last five-ish years, has done their kind of mid-season state of the team address. Barry did it via Zoom, so that's fine. Um, and he said they're playing Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield gives them the chance to win. There are a lot of people who think, and I understand this, that Baker Mayfield being banged up with his foot and his knee and his elbow and his wrist and his shoulder and who knows what else should get surgery now on his labrum and his left shoulder so he'd be ready for training camp next year. Barry says no. Baker Mayfield gives us the best chance to win. We can we can win with Baker Mayfield. Well, I, I always think that's like the lamest of compliments. We can win with him. <laughs> like, what? It's like, uh, hi, would you marry me? Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, you, you want more than that, right? You want, why, absolutely, I'd love to marry you. Well, I'm, it's my lucky day. It's the best day of my life. Not, uh, yeah, sure. Eh, we can win with him. It almost sounds like you can win in spite of him. I don't think that's how Andrew Barry feels about Baker Mayfield. It's how I feel about Baker Mayfield because I just see a lot of things that I can't bring myself to ignore and delude myself into thinking don't matter. His focus, his inconsistency, his inaccuracy, his size, and look at this, he's injured. Blah, you think that's going to change as the older he gets? So those things bother me, and I have to pay attention to those things because I don't believe my eyes are lying to me. Do I think the Browns' record would be any different with Case Keenum as quarterback than it is with Baker Mayfield at quarterback? No, I don't. I don't think it'd be a lick different. And so that's why I would not pay Baker Mayfield any outrageous amount of money at quarterback. In fact, I would not pay him at all until I see what his health is now in 2022. I know a week or so ago I said offer him $20 million a year for two years, team option for a third. And if he says no, then okay, we need a quarterback. Now, I know I got him signed through next year. Wait and see. Let him do the Joe Flacco. Let him play for a contract. Will it be a distraction? Sure. Sometimes... There is no way to avoid a less-than-ideal situation. Would you like to have your quarterback locked up long-term? Of course. Is it worse or better to have a guy locked up long-term at a high rate of pay that you come to regret giving him? <laughs> I think that's worse. So sure, 
it'll be dicey next year if people are always going, so Baker, any talks on the contract? Because ah. that's a fair question to ask, and people will be asking it. But I would rather have that distraction than be locked into a five-year, $130 million contract for a quarterback that I know can't get me to the Super Bowl. And I think even the most charitable assessment of Baker Mayfield's abilities would have to tell you that he's no more than a average quarterback in the NFL. By average, I mean, where would you put him? Is he in the top 10? No. Is he in the bottom 10? No. Is he in the middle 10? Yeah. Does he fluctuate? He's not a hard and fast 18, but he's also not a hard and fast 12. Some games he's pretty good. Other games, eh, not so much. And usually when he's pretty good, it's because somebody else around him was pretty good, notably the offensive line or the running backs. So, of course, I know even Tom Brady needs an offensive line. But Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes and a lot of other guys, Justin Herbert is the guy who's young, they seem to be able to overcome issues that Baker Mayfield cannot overcome. And so that's why I would not pay him. And we'll see what the Browns do. They believe in him, and they say surgery's not necessary. Andrew Barry's like, big picture. We can win with him. His body of work matters. And he's played good football here. I think that's all fair. That's all totally fair. It is a big picture evaluation. It is a body of work evaluation. He has played some good football there. Get him to the playoffs. Listen, this is the biggest transformation in the Cleveland Browns. Is that when you used to watch them play a game like they played a few weeks ago against the Lions. You would watch that game and you would say, they're going to lose this game. I don't know how. Might be entertaining, might be head-scratching, might be maddening, but they're going to lose this game, and nine times out of ten, they would. Now when you watch a game like that, Denver, without Mayfield, Lions, you watch the game, and even though they're putzing around, and even though they're doing stupid things, you go, eh, they're still going to win. They're still going to At least that's how I feel. I think I'm a pretty good judge of a football team's capabilities. So they've grown but do they need a guy to get him over the hump? Yeah. Can Baker Mayfield get him over the hump? I don't know. And until I know, I'm not giving that guy big-time franchise quarterback money. All right. To the faith portion of the podcast today. I am um, starting a study of the book of Matthew. And I love the book of Matthew because Matthew's a detail guy. Matthew was a tax collector, so he had to be precise with his facts and his figures. I love the detail in the Gospel of Matthew. And I also love that Matthew was uh, a disobedient Jew, and he came to experience grace through his relationship with Christ and watching how Christ um, criticized the religious leaders of the day, the legalists of the day, those who thought they had all the answers. So the Gospel of Matthew is pretty, pretty cool. And... One of the verses in Matthew, it's in Matthew 5, that I think is a quintessential demonstration of the gospel is, let your light shine before men so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are all here 
with an array of gifts, an array of opportunities, an array of people we can relate to and minister to that give us an open palette on which to paint a story that glorifies God, doesn't glorify ourselves. Uh, My friend Matt said at a speech that I attended one time, God is inviting you to trade a starring role in the small story of you for a supporting role in the big story of him. I think that's so true. That's so eloquent. God is inviting you to trade a starring role in the small story of you for a supporting role in the big story of him. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify, not you. Oh, look at him. He gave all that money to charity. Oh, yay. No. So that that can glorify your father in heaven. I was reading a book the other day called Jumper Cables for the Mind. Modern Day Proverbs. I highly recommend you get it. It is a great compliment to the actual book of Proverbs. And one of the things that I read the other day said this, do not judge a day by the harvest that you reap, but by the seeds that you sow. So in other words, don't evaluate a day, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, by what you get out of it, but by what you were able to put into it to help other people. I've used the analogy before of investing and investing in retirement. You need a return. You got to get a return and all that. But when you invest in people, you should not even desire a return. You should desire a return for them because that is a way to let your light shine before men that they can glorify your father in heaven. So these are things that I think can center us as we think about our relationships. They are things that can focus us as we contemplate how we can relate to others. And they're things that inspire me and that I hope inspire you as you go forward toward a weekend. I am really looking forward to my weekend because, as I've said, I'm going to be in Canton for the state football championship, and I just love uh, seeing these kids chase state championships. Um, it's so cool. It's just so cool to see all those things. So I wanted to share with you, we got three teams from this league that I cover sometimes playing for state championships. They all play on Saturday. We've got the D7 game, Marion Local at 1030. We've got the D3 game, excuse me, the D6 game, Coldwater at 3 p.m. That's where the three came from. And then we have Versailles going for the Division Five championship at 730 that night. Let me give you just a couple little nuggets on the Mac, and then I'll get out of here. The Midwest Athletic Conference, the MAC. That's the league these three teams play in. Marion Local's the champion of the MAC this year. They're undefeated. They beat the D5 state titleist, state title uh, aspirant, Versailles, and they beat the D6 state champion, you know, game contender, Coldwater. So the small school team beat the two teams that made the state finals in the divisions above them in their league. That's pretty cool. The MAC has had a team play for the state football title every year since 2003, but not just one team. The MAC has played 
for a state championship since 2003. What is that, 18 years, 19 years? In those in title games since 2003, MAC teams are 27 and 10. Not only is that an amazing winning percentage, 37 title game appearances in 18 or 19 years? It's an average of like two a year. That's crazy. And the MAC has had a state champion 10 of the last 11 years. And over those 11 years, they are 18 and 6. 24 times they've played for the title in the last 11 years, which is more than two teams a year. So if they get three state titles out of this year, it will not, I said not, be a record. They had three state championship teams in the MAC in 2014, and they may have it again. So good luck to them. But what I love is I love talking to those players after games and talking to those coaches and seeing those communities come together. It's really, really cool. And it's a great way that you can have hope for the future because people are pretty... uh, Well, you can see, see what people are capable of when you observe a team play at a high level and a community unite around it. So with that, I'll boogie woogie my way on out of here with La Diva. You can catch her on YouTube. She's phenomenal. Glad you guys listened. Uh, Going to get some shut-eye. Going to enjoy a game tonight. Going to head to Canton over the next few days. Hope you have an awesome, awesome Wednesday. Talk to you again soon here on We Tackle.